Gail Malone, former president of the Royal St. John's Regatta Committee, member of the Hall of Fame. Who is Gail Malone? Just tell me where you're born, a little bit about your life. Um, I was born in the East End of St. John's, or born in St. John's, and grew up in the East End. Um, my father was a member of the Regatta Committee before it became the Royal St. John's Regatta Committee, and he was uh, constantly going back and forth to the pond, and as soon as he said, I'm going down to Kitty Vitty, I was joined at his hip. So many of the members of the Regatta Committee watched me grow up the same way I've watched so many of my fellow members' children grow up as well. So it's been a long-standing uh, family connection. So you're first down at the pond in what decade would have been... Well, obviously long before like you really got involved with the committee. Actually, no. I became involved with the committee in 83. Um, after numerous discussions with my father, he came home from a meeting one night. And he said, I brought your name up. And I said, oh, good. What happened? He said, they said you could apply. So I was on the secretary's doorstep the next morning getting my application. And he told me that uh, Sandy McKinley came up to him after the meeting. He said, I've got a daughter bugging me to get on the committee, too. <laughs> <laughs> so the next person on the regatta committee among the new members the following year was uh, Karen McKinley Harvey. And um, so, uh, yeah, I was the first woman on in 1983. So it was myself and 49 men. This is kind of a different time. I mean, that we're just in a period where really there aren't any or very few female firefighters, female police officers, female members of regatta committee, of anything really at that time? I think it was changing. Certainly there were a lot of women rowers, and I think that was part of the impetus for the committee to reevaluate. Um, again, as I say, they watched me grow up. They knew I was enthusiastic. I took the responsibility of being the first woman on the regatta committee very seriously. So anything I was assigned, I really worked to prove myself. I wanted to be um, accepted and uh, and earn the uh, position, put it that way, whatever position I was given. How you how do you even wade through that? One woman in four, in 49 men in a time, 1983, when times were a lot different. How do you even, wouldn't that be intimidating? Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, I knew quite a lot of the members of the Regatta Committee. They all knew who I was, which gave them an advantage because they all knew Gail. But I'd had, it took me a while before I knew all the names. But uh, no, I have to say there were, um, there was one gentleman who said he didn't think it was a good idea, which wasn't an unusual philosophy at the time. But he later said to me about, about I'd say about four or five years later, he said, Kaylee said, I don't know what we do without the women on the committee. He said, they really work hard. I said, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, what was it like the actual meetings, though? Like, uh, did they listen to you? If, if you put your hand up, you wanted to speak on something? Were you uh, actually given opportunity or, or were you kind of, yeah, okay, that's just Gail. Well, there was probably a bit of that's just Gail. Uh, when I first joined the committee, it was very strictly Robert's Rules of Order. You know, you had to propose something, you had to second it. And I wasn't really as familiar with Robert's Rules of Order as I should have been a, a start. Um, no, I have to say, over time, I you learn the structure of what's involved in putting a regatta together. And I think I've seen it in 
the transition of a lot of new members when they grow to appreciate exactly what's involved and how many committees it takes to pull off an actual regatta. It's very... Um, when I was later on, as I moved up the executive, I realized it's sort of like running a $200,000 limited liability company in your spare time. So a lot of these people were busy professional people, and, and uh, so their commitment was had to be very strong to be able to pull off and organize a regatta. And even like, people don't know all the subcommittees involved. Like, exactly. like I'm on the Hall of Fame committee, had been for a while. My gosh, there's a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of work, mm-hmm. a lot of meetings, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I can only imagine the regatta committee itself must must sure. be really working overtime all the time. Yeah, it's it it is a committee generally of 50. Um, right now, we're we're short a few members, and we would love to see committed individuals who would like to, you know, um, become members of the regatta committee step forward. Uh, we, at one time, the members of the regatta committee was very much a um, social and business oriented kind of commitment, um, but right now we evaluate our applications based on their previous volunteer experience within the community, their level of commitment, and the skill set they can bring, which would help us. And so um, there are openings. Did you see yourself at the time, we're talking about 83, 84 in that period there, uh, as a person who cracked the old boys club? At the time, yes, I was thrilled when my father called me the night he he uh, went to a meeting and he didn't come home right away, and he knew I wanted to know. So later on, he called from another committee member's house, and he said, oh, you haven't heard. I said, haven't heard what, Dad? He said, you're now a member of the regatta, you're the first woman on the, Royal, on the regatta committee, and I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled. And... Um, um, I found that uh, the harder I worked and the more I put into it, the more I got out of it. I love the regatta. To me, it's like Christmas in August. I just love it. And uh, even now, even though I've, I've, I've stepped back in the last year or so from active membership, I'm kind of like the firehouse dog. When the when the sound gun goes off, I want to be there. <laughs> That's interesting. You mentioned the gun going off. So just take me now through. You're on the regatta committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not just there as a token member for a couple of years to say, I did this, no. I did that. You're committed totally. Yeah, just kind of walk me through the progression there. Well, um, I think the first role I had was uh, the content of the program, which most people have got one somewhere in their attic or basement or if they've been to a regatta. It's a 35-page booklet, and it includes a lot of history, a lot of the names of all the rowers. And at the time, I remember, I hadn't turned it in early to the printer. And uh, Tanny Collins, who was the president at the time, came to see me. And he said, Gail, he said, you haven't given it to the printer. They're worried about getting it all typed in. I said, I have it all typed in. He said, what? And I said, yes. So anyway, I was using my computer, which that was, you know, one of the starts of, of using computers at the time that was becoming more popular in terms of your workplace and your home life. You use your computer for a lot more. So so I did program. Uh, I did fundraising for, through the program. I did social. 
Um, I served on the executive for many years in various executive positions. And, and what's the difference being on the executive and being a committee, one of 50 committee members? Usually a lot more meetings. Okay. <laughs> so you have an executive meeting where certain things are decided, and then you also report. If you're, as a director, you have three subcommittees under you, you report to the executive what's going on, where the flaws are, what what, what they need to support work that needs to be done, that kind of thing. So it was like cabinet in a government or okay. something like that. It's something yeah. along those lines, yes, okay. yeah. Okay. And now just take me through... Um, the gunner position, when did that actually materialize? Because you were certainly noted for that. Um, the My father was the gunner, and Sandy McKinley was a gunner. And so when, and then also um, Bruce Neal. Bruce Neal uh, has passed away in the last year or so, or a couple of years. But Bruce decided he was going to step back from being gunner. So I asked him to tr if he would train me. And he said, yes. He called for volunteers one night at the, uh, at the meeting. And I stepped up and I said, I'd like to learn how to gun. And, and he showed me exactly how to do it. And uh, I was very nervous doing it. But the more I, the longer I, I did, I, I get, I think I got better at it. I know it's always a thrill when you watch a really, really good crew cross the finish line and you get to f start and finish the race. And I've done that for quite a lot of uh, records, and it's always meant a lot to me. Just take me through, the say, the start of the race, when they you know, are you ready, number one? Yeah. That um, Just describe that build-up and uh, tell me what, what that is. Well, the... Uh, methodology we use is that the starter who calls out, are you ready number one, ready number two, he will, he or she will have their foot over mine on the floor and as they finish they will just sort of press on my toe and that's the signal to fire the gun. And this was instigated years ago when a lot of the crews would try to pull water before the gun went off and so, and they were watching carefully to see how it was, was transferred. Uh, we have in the last few years had some guest uh, starters, yes. so lieutenant governor, actors, uh, people uh, uh, of note in the community, and they've come down and really enjoyed it. Uh, I was one of the few people allowed to stand next to the prime minister with a firearm, <laughs> but uh, um, the the gun is stored uh, safely off-site, and um, it is a double-barrel shotgun. People ask me, is it a real gun? I said, oh, yes, it's a real firearm, but we use blanks. And Bruce also trained me how to make them. So I haven't done it for years, but I did at one time. We used to go up to Bruce's, I used to go up to Bruce's basement, Bruce Neal's basement, and we would make shells. It's not a complicated process, but you do have to watch your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought, and I might have used the term in, in uh, broadcasts of the regatta when we, we broadcast every race for quite some time, uh, as a starter's pistol, but not no. quite a pistol. We tried a starter pistol one year. It just wasn't loud enough. And the other thing about a, a starter's pistol is, um, and the advantage of the, the uh, double barrels is very often if you have a false start or a... It's not an official race until the one-minute mark. So when you fire the gun to start the race, the crews have one minute out before it's officially a race. 
in that minute, if there's some equipment failure or problem or issue or a collision or anything along those lines, then you fire the second barrel to stop the race and the crews come back to start over. So um, you'll see the gunner start the race and then turn around and wait until the timers tell them we're past the one minute point. You have to be like sort of on your toes like the whole the whole day. There's not much oh, yeah. not much give in that position, is there? No, uh, I have to say our lovely tower makes it a little easier. Yeah, and the floating platform. <laughs> Things have certainly changed. Even our we used to broadcast it out on that you know the, the yes. floating platform. Things have really changed. Oh, have it? changed, yes, for sure. Uh, before we get to that point, though, just uh, take me through now how you progressed. Uh, through the regatta, uh, positions that you held, and uh, up to the time um, when you became president in 1983. Well, um, not 1983. I'm sorry. Uh, into the 2000s. Yeah. Um, I did row one year. I'm going to put that out there, Brian. Uh, yes, I think we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, we we did uh, touch on that whether I had ever rowed in a regatta. And I like to say I rode with some volunteer ladies from the library in probably my second year on the regatta committee, and we came first from the wrong end. So athleticism is not my skill set, but I did enjoy the rowing part. The actual rowing was, was quite lovely. Um, and, and, and female rowing has just taken off. Oh, it's just, it's just a, so. a different creature nowadays, isn't it? Very, very athletic. And which is wonderful. I think there's a portion of the rowers that come who are very competitive, and hats off to them. That's that's how they want to go at it. That's wonderful. Uh, you also see women who come back year after year who just love the rowing, and that's also a very important part of it. And the little kids are so enthusiastic when they start learning how to row, and there's a Learn to Row program at the boathouse for smaller kids. I think we hear the loudest cheers for the uh, the squirts, really. Oh, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> That's something else. Yeah, they're very keen. So uh, the... The next little while, you're going through the whole uh, committee process. Obviously, mm -hmm. other people are coming on the committee, other females, but you rose to the ranks of president. So just take me up that path. Actually, um, right now, I'm not quite sure what the percentage is, but at one point, it was almost half of the regatta committee members were women, and someone else went on to the position of vice president. And... Uh, when I realized that person was going to be the first woman president, and I thought, I really want to be the first woman president. I didn't think I was ambitious at all, but I, I was surprised at my reaction. And that lady never uh, pursued it or went further. And uh, there were two uh, women vice presidents before me. But when I took on the vice presidency, I knew I wanted to go on to the uh, to the president. So vice president is also captain of the course. And it's, again, you're elected to the position annually by the uh, membership at the annual meeting. And you have responsibility as the captain of the course and vice president for the whole event, per se. If there's an issue, if there's a crash, if there's a... Uh, 
um, an injury or anything along those lines or uh, something that comes up in the public eye, it's the captain of the course that's going to have to answer for, you know, what happened or what the equipment was, uh, how well it was maintained and all these things. So I found, and I think most people who've been in the position will tell you that being the vice president and captain of the course is very taxing. But it's also pre prepares you for the two years that you're going to be the president. But I, uh, so I was vice president from 2002 and 2003. And then I became the first woman president in 2004 and uh, 2005. Just take me through those times, uh, becoming uh, the first woman president, obviously at VLCM, we reported that extensively. Uh, how did people feel about that? Actually, I think by the time I became president, they were quite used to the idea of, of a, or not, it wasn't a shock or a surprise. Um, I had incredible support from the members of the Regatta Committee, just incredible, and I never worried that, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't rely on anybody to uh, step up and do what needed to be done or support me if, if decisions uh, needed to be made. So I, um, I had proven myself, as I said, for years as a member of the executives and, and on various committees, and so when I stepped when I was elected to presidency, I was uh, I was prepared for it. At least I thought I was. <laughs> There's always surprises. There we go. Just uh, take me through those. It was two years, right? Two years. You were president. Just yeah. take me through those two years. What happened? What do you recall during that time? Um, I have to say, I had two really good years as president. We had great weather. We had good crews. I think we had a couple of records in one of my regattas. Um, we, it was a good time in terms of the community was happy, the economy was booming, uh, we had successful fundraisers, everything was going along tickety-boo. I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't ever any issues, but nothing that I can think of that would have marred my memory of being president, that's for sure. I enjoyed it. And, and some of the highlights, in addition to that, though, Gail, is... Uh the hall, let's start uh, the Hall of Fame uh, a few years ago. Just uh, describe that to me. Um, that was, uh, again, another initiative by John O'Mara. John was amazing in his knowledge of the history of the regatta and, and various other aspects of St. John's life. Uh, John and I had worked together when I was asked to be the liaison with the Regatta Committee and the City of St. John's for Soiree 88, and he taught me a lot of the history of the Regatta. And uh, later, we, in when we were building the new building in 2000, we created a, a space in the building for the history of the Regatta. Um, that is an incredible museum, though. Like, if you, anybody who's there, if you just take time to go and just have a look, it, it, there, there's some amazing collections there. There are a lot of interesting um, elements to the Regatta Museum. Unfortunately, it's not always staffed because, again, it comes down to assessing your priorities as to running the regatta or um, staffing the museum. But uh, it does have a lot of lovely artifacts that people over the years, you know that they appreciate the regatta as an event, 
you know, when they'll come forward with a trophy or something that they think is would contribute to the people remembering the history of the regatta. Um, and so that's always been interesting to me to to keep that going. It the facility um, has changed over the years how the building is managed. Of course, you know you have to look at the bottom line in terms of um, making sure that you're ready to start the next year's regatta and you have the funds in place to do that. So there. Um, four times some of the areas in the boathouse were rentals. I think they're moving slowly away from that because as the economy improves and, and uh, we're getting a, in a better position, that may not be necessary. So, But the Regatta Museum is, uh, is a treasure. And you hit me with one here today, Gail, I had no idea about it. I, mean, I thought broadcast, I was the only one broadcasting the Regatta for a long time. Uh, the Gail Malone Medal. Tell me, Tell me about it. Um, Chris Neary was president of the Regatta Committee a few years ago, and his executive uh, were reviewing the status of the trophies and medals and awards and realized that there was no individual award that would be given to the female crew that broke the course record. There is one that exists um, in the museum. It's the Henley Rings, but the criteria for winning the Henley Rings was a little difficult. It's going to be difficult, put it that way. So they wanted another award, and they told me that they were going to call it the Gail Malone Award, which caused me to cry. <laughs> I said, Chris, why did you? So anyway, I was very touched and very moved that they would uh, do that, and so I, I really appreciated it. It's something else. It's uh, I was going to say a career. Your career was a librarian, but this has to be almost like a mirror kind of a career. Do you see it that oh, way? Oh yes, for sure. There were, um, as you mentioned, the difference between being on the executive and being a general member. When you're on, for instance, as the president, you're chairing all of the board meetings as well as the general meetings and meetings with the city and meetings with other groups and organizations and, and fundraising things. So uh, it's a busy, busy time. And that was one thing I uh, appreciated about the library was very supportive of, of my commitment to the Regatta Committee. Um, in fact, while I was vice president, the library applied for federal funding for the millennial, I think it was millennial funding, and we um, used all of the information, John O'Mara and I used all the information that we had used in the original 88, Soiree 88, and, and since then, and uh, created a website. So uh, that year, I was eating and breathing and living and sleeping with the regatta. I had four students in my own office area working on this digitalization uh, supported by the IT staff at the library. And uh, so I had library, library, regatta, regatta all together. And then I would come home and then I'd grab something to eat and go on to a meeting. So yeah, it was a busy time, but I enjoyed it. What do you think of the regatta today as opposed to regattas past. So regatta's past versus regatta's present. Uh, just tell me what you think the difference is. Are we into, uh, you know, like say the golden years of the regatta? Are we um, in a situation where the this regatta, this event is just going to keep improving? Because we had some lull there about 
10 or 15 years ago with in terms of the number of participants it had really sunk at uh, a quite level but it's like it's rebounded mm. minus COVID. Well prior to COVID when we had the 200 celebration our our record number of crews was incredible. I, I remember we had 50 races, and when someone said we had 50, I said, go on, you're crazy. <laughs> we can't do 50 races in one day. Said, yes, we are. We're going to do 50 races in one day, and we did it, and it was it was a, uh, it was such a, a wonderful event because it was a 200 that everybody just kept working right through it but we did get them all done and um, you're right COVID has made such a drastic difference to everything in our society I suppose to a certain extent we can see the numbers rebounding I think the love of the regatta will always be there 